You don't have to be positive all the time. It's perfectly okay to feel sad, angry, annoyed, frustrated, scared, and anxious. Having feelings doesn't make you a negative person. It doesn't even make you weak. It makes you human. And we are here to talk through it all. We welcome you to These Fucking Feelings Podcast, a safe space for all who needs it. Grab a drink and take a seat. The session begins now. What is up? Yeah. Well, she busts. Hmm. Buttons. Let me see. Crystal is really not a button pusher. Okay. All right. Okay. (laughs) I I think I'm more, I think in life, I'm more of the button pusher, Mm -hmm. um, which is probably something really, really bad. I don't know. Is it good or bad to push buttons? What do you think, Heather? We're just going to start in conversation. Let's go. (laughs) Let's start. Um, I would say it's a common, especially as a life coach with doing it, you're kind of, there's a challenge of the job of finding like your job is to make, you know, reveal what is not comfortable and reveal what somebody might be hiding. So I think there's a role for the button pusher. As long as it's not aggressive or crossing boundaries that the person doesn't want to go to. But I, it's, I think there's a role for it. It's part of the growth process. Growth is not what you say like a person that pushes buttons. Would you say they're also like devil's advocate? Can they kind of go yeah. hand in hand? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And that's, there's a role for that. It's good. <laughs> My actual co-host, <laughs> Rebecca, she is actually, she just took a day off. She heard her back yesterday painting a house or something. Um, Carol does more than I would ever do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> um, she heard her back yesterday. So she, that's why she's not here today. Um, but she is uh, the devil's advocate and everything. Okay. Like she's she's always gonna find like the if it if it can possibly have a negative mm-hmm. situation that could pop up. Period. Mm-hmm. She has thought about it, and we're discussing <laughs> it. <laughs> so I'm kind of saved from that today. I'm sort of like I've got the gentle version. Yeah, today you will get the gentle version, but you know we might have to bring you back on just so she could torture you. No, really. <laughs> it is Halloween after all. I mean, I'm surprised you guys right. didn't have her. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. okay, well I guess we'll do formal introductions. I am Micah. This is Crystal. She's filling in for Rebecca today. You're watching these fucking feelings podcast season three, where we're continuing our focus on mental health. Mm-hmm. Now, has a little bit for this season. We kind of actually are focused on the love aspect of mental health this, mm. this kind of season. So, mm-hmm. I might get to some love questions and just your opinion on love and it's just love in general. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but before we go into that, our guest today is Heather Warren and, um, I'm a little dyslexic, right? So I can sit up here and like try to read an introduction for you, mm-hmm. but we're not going to do that because I'm going to mess it up. So we're just going to ask you to introduce yourself to our audience and just let them know a little bit about yourself. Okay. Where do I begin? All right. So Heather Warren, um, professionally, I'm an inner life coach. I also have self-published two children's books and a spiritual memoir and but I'm one of these eternal volunteers. I do things on the side. I've done arts of men. I have a background in theater. So I really believe in the human journey of expression and soul and seeking and trying to actualize and sort out one's self, including emotions. <laughs> and a little bit, I live in Ontario, Canada, in a small city. I'm with my dog. I choose to be child free. And 
Yeah, good. All right. Awesome. Yep. Child-free by choice. <laughs> I like my sanity. Um, and yeah, so I don't know what else to add to that right now. I mean, we'll definitely dive in. We'll dive in. Look, we'll figure out the rest of it. <laughs> what, made you, what made you write children's books? And not have kids. That's a good question. (laughs) And what are the names of them? The books. Okay, right. Yeah, it is definitely one of these like weird conflicts as being a child free by choice person and writing children's books. So it's one of these inner conflicts. But I would say partly I nurture my inner child. So writing the inner the children's books is part of that. And the two, the one is the Stellar Queen of Oaxaca, and it's based on my uh, trip to Oaxaca City, Mexico. I backpacked across Mexico for two and a half months. And then I lived in Oaxaca City for six months. I was planning to move there. And I met a really amazing woman who, um, single mom, who was visually impaired from birth. And she navigated a very challenging culture for ableist issues or not having enough supports for it. And I learned so much from her from seeing from the heart. Like I really um, intuition, following your intuition, your senses. And so I wrote the book based on her as the heartfelt leader and then celebrating the Mexican culture, even from me as an outsider looking in. Right. Is it, is the oh, number one? I got two questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does she know the book is about her? Mm-hmm. Do you guys, are you guys still in contact? We aren't anymore. Unfortunately, because of, um, issues, Issues of uh, whether it's technology, poverty, challenges in Mexico, we have lost connection. Um, I was able to send money to her with raising funds for the book. Like part of the sales of the books was to go to an organization for street children and then partly to her and then to myself and my illustrator. So I was able to send money during that time for her, but just I don't know where she is right now, unfortunately. Yeah, but she gave yeah. permission to write it, and yeah, I sent her copies of it, and she said she liked it. She said it was, yeah. Yeah, that has to be mm-hmm. an amazing to sit there and be an inspiration for a book. And wherever you are, we hope you're doing yes. well. Yes. That you're blessed and happy. Yes, uh-huh. yes, absolutely. No, she needed to be praised, absolutely. <laughs> definitely, definitely. You know, I'm going to do it. Um, yeah. So, okay, yeah. now, now we can go into book number two. <laughs> number two, Max's Marvelous Mustache. And it's um, it's based on my dog. It's perfect for November, for November. Um, my dog. So he's my fur baby. And uh, so Max is my dog. And it was all about not liking the trip. Like he was, he's a small dog. So everybody calls him, oh, he's so cute. Like every time people see him. He looks like a teddy bear. And I was like, God, he must get sick and tired of this. Like he wants to be taken seriously. Um, But the story was inspired by my nephew who looked in the mirror when he was eight years old. And he's like, I am getting a mustache. I was like, wow. I said, this must be because I didn't grow up with a brother or boy culture or anything. And I was like, wow, this must be that rite of passage, you know, like you're, you're, you're getting older because you have a mustache. And um, so I... a lot more about manifestation than we did. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I just merged the two, like the two kind of dudes in my life who were young. And um, it was all about Max having to... Getting bullied by the big dogs because he's so cute. And he ends up getting a styling mustache from the groomers and becomes the trendsetter. <laughs> and so I wrote that piece for him. That's actually, cool. I'm going to buy that book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will get them both because we believe in supporting, but Thank I want you. autographed copies. We can talk about that later. We'll I will mail them to you. 
okay, perfectly cool. happy to. <laughs> and then, um, but okay, my question number one: You said backpack for six months. Mm-hmm. I had to be. Oh, it was two, two and a like half you, months for backpacking. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you were sleeping in in like in the street in the woods and and stuff like that. <laughs> no, no, it's like the, <laughs> definitely not in Mexico. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, suggest oh, that. Okay, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I just had to clarify. What you mean by backpacking? Like you was just oh out there God. in the desert. <laughs> it's not as extreme. No, not extreme. Not extreme. Oh, okay, okay. But there's so, a there's a subculture, yeah, of like much. I forget much. I forget how to pronounce it. But backpackers who are going to hostels and okay. going, you know, that sort of scene. The international run water. <laughs> running yeah, water, right. running toilets. Absolutely. It's mostly um, taking buses and going across the country and back. So, okay. yeah. I, yeah. Just I mean, everything has to fit in a backpack, all right? That yes. You take, you know. okay. Oh, so that's what backpacking means. Yeah. See, yes. I just heard you got to go. You gotta go somewhere, and you gotta do some stuff, and it's gonna you gonna you need boots. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 not wilderness backpacking. I don't want to go. <laughs> if it requires, like, I wear boots fashionably, but if it requires me to wear boots, then we no. need to have a whole other conversation. And you don't no. do bugs. No bugs. No, no bugs. bugs. No, and the, I, and kind of hard to avoid in Mexico because you got black widow spiders, and oh, scorpions in some places. But yeah, no, well, I've never really been a fan of Mexican food. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you yeah, know why yeah. though? And maybe this is an assumption or a stereotype that maybe I need to get over. I don't do cheese, and I feel like every Mexican dish has cheese. Mm, that's Tex-Mex. Right. That's all I'm gonna say. It's probably not true. It's probably hmm. okay. Maybe yeah. I need to go to Mexico. You talk me into it. Well, Oaxaca City, that's part of why I went there. I lived there for six months and they are known for UNESCO heritage site for food and culture. So they've preserved the indigenous pre-colonial dishes and foods from way back before Columbus came in and took over or right. uh, Cortez. And um, yeah, so you get these like amazing dishes that are definitely not, it's not cheese because they didn't use dairy cows and all of that back then. So it's a lot of vegetables, a lot of spices, chocolate. But you're eating zebra and shit, right? Oh no, no zebra. No zebra. <laughs> but but grasshoppers. Oh. Uh. Um, <laughs> you know, well, we're going to get some reason why you're here, okay? Because <laughs> at the moment, you're not very inspirational. <laughs> they're cute to see jump i don't want to eat one no me neither okay you know what heather (laughs) i have an issue with food period right i don't want to eat i don't want to consume food i just i just okay Mm -hmm. the meats are bad for you right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or not that they're bad for you i just them animals is cute why we gotta kill them you know right right Um, and right. then, okay, cool, it's a circle of life thing, whatever, heard it, I know what y'all mean. I still just can't rock with it, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then I don't like vegetables because I think I have really, really strong <laughs> taste buds. Oh, no. So, I, or is a psycholo- uh, psychological thing where I feel mm-hmm. like I can taste the dirt in it, like dirt. Oh, gosh. And it's like, that's what it tastes like to me. So, I don't do anything, wow. anything that's grown, I can't do it. I don't want nothing out of a can because it's out of a can. Right. <laughs> I don't do any sauces. No sauces. Like nothing. I don't wow. want a chicken. Nothing. Go. Okay. <laughs> so is it just but fruit? It, do you have fruit? 
Mm-hmm. I, watermelon. I, you like watermelon? I do. I do like watermelon. And like I can rock with fruit every now and then, but mm. it has to be like a real legit, like, I don't know, Fresh. maybe like a craving or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a moment, you know, like if I, I may want an orange, but if right. I buy a bag of oranges, most of them are going to go bad. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of situation. Right. Right. It'll be one off or, right. so do you do smoothies or how, what do you, what do you eat? Fruit roll-ups. I get fruit roll-ups. <laughs> I do like fruit roll-ups. <laughs> <laughs> A box sleeps with me. I promise y'all we're going to get to the purpose of the episode, but I sleep with a box next to me. Okay. My fruit mm-hmm. roll-ups is my man. It got its wow. own pillow. Okay. And then his phones. <laughs> and then what, sorry? His phone. Very electronic. I'll mail you a care package with fruit roll-ups and my children's books. Right. Uh, there you go. Okay. There you go. And then I'll be good for like a month. But seriously, I know I need to eat more than that. But it's like, Mm -hmm. I just don't want to eat. It's something about, I'm like, Mm. but I will eat because I am fat now. Like under the pillow. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I don't know. It's just so weird. Well, It's weird. It's weird. I don't know. And you're coaching. If that's something you could help me with, <laughs> like maybe it's something with my soul. I don't, I, yeah, I, I'd probably. I mean, if there's actual taste issues, it might even be a type of disordered eating pattern that might be a, a level of um, beyond my realm of therapeutic experience. But good, good answer. I'm a special case. I get it. <laughs> no, I'm not even. Enjoying, just it would be probably there's there's deeper stuff there for sure, and it would be. Absolutely. And, you know, um, they like checked like for the anorexia, not checked, but you know, like I kind of talked to people because they thought like I was anorexic one time or right, yeah. one time. like they thought those things, but it's like, yeah. oh, I mean, I'll eat it because I know I got to eat it and I know that something tastes good. You know, mm-hmm. I got some peach mm-hmm. cobble over here that crystal burned. I can't <laughs> wait. To it, right. Right. So you like the sweets. I do. I do like sweets and I like bread a lot. Like I like. Oh, bread. the carbs. Yep. Yep. You know. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't. I don't like cheese. I really ain't into eggs. I mean, I like bacon, but I don't like ham. So anyway, right. so the protein thing is challenging. It is. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. I just got mm-hmm. uh, found like the kind bars though. So I, they have like oh, eight yes. grams of protein or whatever, and they're like almonds and chocolate and all the things I like. So I kind of been like rocking just with sold them. them. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so fascinated by. Can I, if you feel comfortable sharing? But what's your ancestral lineage? So it's okay. I am a little bit of everything, but mm-hmm. I think majority of it is like 14% Lithuanian. Ah. And then it was 12% Nigerian. Okay. And then I was 11% Puerto Rican, like United mm. States, Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like a whole bunch, you know, it was like a percent Jew and German. Yeah. And <laughs> okay. So, because I mean, if we talk about eat for your lineage or eat for your type and all of this stuff, it's like that would be an interesting thing to explore what the the diet was in Lithuania at the time of your ancestor, the diet in Nigeria for your dominant ones. And to, because it would make sense, like in Nigeria, a lot of it, or I don't know enough about Nigeria, but in Lithuania, Eastern Europe, I mean, you're dealing with potatoes and um, I do love like cabbage, <laughs> pierogies, you know, stuff like that. That might have been and so probiotic stuff for fermented foods. Right. It would make sense. You wouldn't like vegetables. Hmm. 
And especially if the if the ancestry left, you don't have to look at this. It goes into the family constellations work I do with people, but it's like it goes into you know the reason why. Like, when did your family leave or your ancestors leave, and then what was the reason? Like, if it was war times, if it was all of that, so then there was a way of relating with the ancestors by staying connected to them through some of your dietary choices, perhaps. Hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that's where I could look at the soul level, but it's, um, yeah, it would be interesting to know and to see if you could incorporate some of those foods from Nigeria and Lithuania. I'm not, you sold me already. (laughs) (laughs) I just recently got into kind of the ancestry stuff. Like I just recently did it. That's the reason why like the percentages are are really kind of fresh because, Mm -hmm. um, we joke with my brother. I'm like the whitest person in the family. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have like the more minority DNA. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so we always, you know, our family is my mom is party primarily Puerto Rican. That's kind of how we were brought up. Uh, okay. But I joke with everybody about how I'm more Puerto Rican than them. But I don't speak Spanish and things like that. But like I'm more Puerto Rican than you. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, so I'm fascinated like now, kind of about like ancestry and just yeah. those kind of. And then in starting a podcast, um, it also helps me think about. I never wanted to leave a legacy. Maybe this is something else we could talk about when talk about mm-hmm. the soul. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like I wasn't that important enough. You know, I didn't need a legacy. I didn't, I didn't want kids. I, I didn't do anything with my life really that's worth mm-hmm. discussing, <laughs> you know. Um, I was a, a bad person when I needed to be a bad person. I was a great person when I needed to be a great person. I was human. But in that, I didn't, you know, kill 300 people. So right. no one needs to know how I was bad. And yep. I didn't save 300 people. So no one really needed to know how I was good. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, mm-hmm. I didn't want kids. So it was like legacy wasn't kind of like an important thing until I started yeah. this podcast and mm. I started to see the touch behind it. And now it's like, I'm thinking about like, heck, are there other people in my family that did do significant things, mm-hmm. but thought the way that I thought? Mm-hmm. And we don't know about. So I have been interested mm-hmm. in like searching more into my ancestry. It's so even just, I mean, I don't know where, if you want me to continue on with sharing on this one, but Micah, the, um, just course. what you shared, um, I even, this may even help put some pieces together. So in Mexico, there was a poet that I read. It was Aztec poets. This is like ancient, ancient. It was literally just one line when I was in the library reading it. And it said something like the person who chooses not to carry on the line is essentially there to tie up, tie the ends of the like family tapestry. So the people who choose to be child free are the ones who are tying up the knots of the family lineage and the ancestors to make the complete tapestry. So it makes sense to me that you are speaking stories. Your, your path is more about um, sharing your truth or helping others share their truth. So you're wrapping up the tapestry of your family and Mm -hmm. the feeling that, you know, your legacy is less about the human form, like creating, bringing in a child and all of this. And it has more to do with acknowledgement and sharing and talking and speaking truths and being the button pusher. Like you're trying to get all of the, whether it was the traumas or the things hidden or the things not talked about, you're trying to get those resolved. And so that's usually the role of the, the person who chooses to child be child-free. We can go into a whole history of their place in a family system, but um, usually they're the seers or the the ones who are um, 
the what you want to call the wise people or the, the because they can step back and observe and observe society or observe the family I love system. Watching. Right? Yeah. As much as I love talking, I love watching. Right? <laughs> exactly. They're the artists. They're the ones they can, like, people will go to and say, do you have advice on this? And unfortunately, our society has it where if you're not a parent, somehow your perspective doesn't matter when it comes to parenting right. or when it comes to raising kids or anything. So, but historically, and you can go back to even, don't quote me on the exact, like where in African tribes, and I know, you know, not to romanticize the, the cultures, but just being going back to um, those times where the woman who couldn't bring forward a child or chores not to, um, she was often consulted. You know, it was like, you know, what should we do about the politics in the community? How do we raise our kids? Are we doing this well? And um, so we just don't have a place for that. But I, it makes sense to me that you're doing this podcast is kind of what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of just believe here. We always kind of let the conversation dictate where we're going to go. We're going to touch on a little bit of everything. But yeah, that was that was that was pretty cool. And it was funny because she we were read, reading your website, but she was just reading the top portion of the about us. And, she and it was, was all like, him. And she, yeah, she was like. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is all you. Right. Over Sarah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, but so uh, let's talk to, uh, I guess, can you, can you like paraphrase what's on your website and what we're talking about? Just so people know what we're talking about, but definitely mm-hmm. go visit the website. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'll, I, my main work with inner life coaching is working with weary, heartfelt leaders and helping them to go in, restore their heart, access their truth. So really, truly the ideas, um, change really starts with our heart. Like it's, that's where it first begins. So oftentimes we'll get people in leadership positions who end up uh, behaving poorly, (laughs) shall we say, or behaving and like reacting rather than responding or projecting instead of going, wait a second, why is this triggering me? Why am I, why do I care so much about this and can end up in codependent dynamics, right? Instead of going, does this bring me joy? Does this bring me peace? How can I not unknot my patterns? So I'm not continuing dysfunction or I'm not continue. I'm not doing this from a place of rescuing or having to save people, um, going into hero complexes. And, you know, when I, I describe it as why I love doing the soul work piece of it is, you know, I feel like anyone who's called anyone who wants to do inner work at some level is a leader, right? They're taking leadership over themselves or they're taking leadership over their community or their family or their life. And they want to take responsibility and make an impact, right? So, and that that impact doesn't have to be, like, sometimes we have this idea that we have to be big in our impact, you know, it has to be like gargantuan. But when we actually listen to that small inner voice that often we being busy and stress and all of that gets in the way of it. If we listen to that inner still inner voice, it becomes so clear, like, Oh, this just feels natural. This is just naturally me. This is what I do. And we have so many things to unpack around socialization and, you know, other people's perspectives and pressures to pay the bills and, you know, all of this that it can get in the way from actually going, but wait a minute, like, who am I? What do I want? And whose voice am I listening to? Is it my voice? Is it my great uncle who passed away thousands of years ago? Is it, um, you know, my father, my, you know, can we get back into like taking that quiet time? All these dead Mm. people I see around me. Yeah. 
all the dead people around, like totally, like, where is this pressure coming from? Where is the, where is the, and I love like the part that I love doing with the spiritual aspect of it is that it is, we have so many different influences. Right. And especially like, I love, this is what I love about Halloween is the ancestor realm, but it's like, there's this, um, we don't realize like when, when working with family constellations work, which I put into my coaching practice, we end up almost like subconsciously being loyal to our ancestors in ways that we're like, is this really me? Like, and it sounds crazy, but it's like, is this really, am I this person who needs to go down this path or am I just uh, doing this for some kind of weird approval? Right. And we often don't even know the answer. Like we just, like we, the work with constellations, as they say, you work with the realm of what you don't know. Like if we, if there's a missing ancestor, a missing family member, um, if something's disconnected, you're going to try to include that family member, ancestor member in some way. So you might keep attracting the psychopathic lover. <laughs> like you might end up attracting <laughs> you, know, <I> like <laughs> you know and you're like why does this keep oh. happening <laughs> she has a psychopathic lover in her life like really does I hope you do not watch this episode oh it wasn't until you said that it made me realize like I was joking about it at first but I just realized so oh. what made you <laughs> do what you do? Like what made you, is there a reason? Um, oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I would probably say this was my circling back to Mexico when I was there and I felt, you know, whenever you go on a journey away from home and comfort zones and so forth, like I, I grew up as a kid for three years in Jamaica. So it's not that being in a foreign country was different for me i experienced um other cultures but being there i actually faced you know like there was a lot of um political uprising at the time there was uh shutdowns almost like so it was dangerous there was a lot of danger and the danger of black widow spiders and so i was in that place where i was like wow i literally could die as i walk out the door so i felt That's like great. i was facing death every day right and but I'm like, everybody here faces death every day. Like, what is the way you cope? What is the way that you deal with this? And right. to actually, like, there's such a deep spirituality in Oaxaca. It's anybody who's from Mexico and you say Oaxaca City, people will be like, oh, Oaxaca. Like, it's magical. Um, so I had these... I <laughs> Sorry. Sorry? I said I still ain't going. No. <laughs> you don't want the grass. How magical it is. <laughs> do it over the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> um, and it had like the ancient ruins there. So I felt like I had immersed myself into like old ancient culture and the questioning of life, death, existentialism and all of this. And, and I felt like I was, I'm like, I may not come back home. And that's, you know, can I be at peace with that? Is there anything that I've done or undone? Same thing, like, what am I proud of? What am I not proud of? Right. Have I been hiding from my purpose, my destiny? All those same questions that you're speaking about Mika. So the, um, and it's very much in that, like it's in that culture. So like every day, like there's a profound understanding of your destiny. And, um, so it was just around me and I was really questioning, like, wow, I really haven't looked at my ancestors. I haven't, I've cut, I left home when I was 16. So I felt like I ran away from my family and, right. and I was like, I can't be running all my life, you know, like I have to, I have to look at me and no matter where I am, that's where I am. 
right? So I think that piece around the inner growth work and the importance of, am I at peace? Am I complete in my life? So, you know, I did make it home, thankfully, and I would say a lot of it has to do with white privilege and being Canadian. <laughs> I was able to go back home with my passport um, and, and made it through the systems. So the coming back to my hometown, which is where I live now, and having to face, and I wouldn't even say that I did a lot of bad things, but I would say out of out of integrity, my own integrity, my own standard, my own way I want to live. I fell into partying too much in my twenties. I fell into being with the wrong kind of people for intimate partners. Like it was just like, who am I? And I'm totally confused in my life. Right. And I think what everybody uh, goes to under twenties. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to, right? Like it's just right. if you're gonna make it back home. Are you gonna make it back home <laughs> to yourself? <laughs> yeah. And then there's some people just stay in their twenties even though they're sixty, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother episode so that should be my fear factor on my website like don't be that 60 year old who's still a teenager <laughs> do your inner work <laughs> your inner work yeah. So one thing, but I also there, I just sort of left, I put everything over to what I call the divine at that point where it was just like, all right, I have no control over whether I live, die. I have no control over why I'm here. Like I felt called there. And then I was like, and I'm in the middle of a revolution. So I'm like, why am I here? So, so I just kept following my, literally following my heart and going, I'm following where the, there's kindness. I'm following where there's I feel like there are good people and Raina being one of them for my children's book. And it just led me out of danger. Like it's this idea that love really does lead you um, and guide you and you need to follow those hunches. Right. And so when I came back, all of a sudden I met people who are doing family constellations work. It felt like almost like the door opened as soon as I made a choice to follow spirit or choice to follow my heart. It was like this mentor came in this opportunity came in and I was all of a sudden doing energy healing and family constellations work and coaching and doing my own receiving coaching. And, and it was like, wow, I just, I literally opened the door and it was like, you know, the idea when right. the student is ready, the teacher will come. <laughs> right, so, right. 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I need to open the door, but then I'm scared what's behind the door. <laughs> Cause I think there's a boogeyman in my closet. <laughs> I think it's more change. <laughs> Sorry. Like the more of the change, like mm -hmm. making that step to yes. jump. Well, you know, well, I'm actually, so I'm going through like this big healing stage. I just made the jump too. I actually packed up everything I had and moved away from okay. everybody. It's so funny, wow. like every fit in my little Nissan, <laughs> that is what Aww. came with me. And, and he found me. And, 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 <laughs> yeah, being here, it's like life has completely changed. But I, it was, wow. my job now is kind of like a big headache. Mm. Not because of me. Not because of her. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know, it's like you work for like one of the biggest companies in the world, but they suck. Um, mm -hmm, sorry, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it's just mm -hmm, it, and just mm -hmm. corporate America. I think every honestly, I feel like oh, every yeah. company is having the same challenge right now. But yeah. um, yeah. So because of that, the other day I was on LinkedIn and someone invited me to a job, <laughs> and um, I was reading it and everything that they needed, I could do. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. this is nothing. And right. then the salary, it was like twice what I'm making now. And I was like, mm -hmm. I should apply. Mm -hmm. But now my issue is that I feel like I can never show people my intelligence. Uh, or leave me? Huh? <laughs> or leave me? 
Anyway, I'm talking now. <laughs> we can talk about that off air. <laughs> so I, said, I got that position. I could take you with me. Okay. <laughs> so I always think about the team, but it's, it's yeah. so it's like if they gave me the opportunity to show them I could do the job. I could do the job. They would know within mm-hmm. the hour, like, okay, mm-hmm. this guy could do the job. Mm-hmm. But uh, I grew up with a lot of uh, molestation. Yeah. And and yeah. because of that, uh, there was a lot of silence. Mm-hmm. And part mm-hmm. of the, wor- the way I survived that was kind of like building my own Lego city inside of me. Yep. So, and it changed as I grew up. <laughs> mm. My city changed. But it was always within. I read yeah. a lot of books. I... Yeah studied a lot of things i used to read everything people magazines women's home health journal men's fitness if it had words i was reading it so i just right. consumed a lot but i never got to use what i consumed but i knew i never wanted to lose it so i found ways to compartmentalize it or whatever i don't know this is just what i'm talking i don't know clinical yeah, terms. that totally makes yet. sense no, it totally kind of what makes I think sense. I did, right? <laughs> it <laughs> totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. <laughs> because sometimes yeah. it's, uh, okay, so because of that, it's like I I wasn't allowed to show who I was because I always mm-hmm. needed to be who somebody else wanted me to be yeah. or who they told me to be. But I still knew that I needed to protect part of myself. Mm-hmm. And that part that I protect is a freaking genius. You hear me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. that person could probably really, really solve world hunger, right? Yes, yes, yeah. And, and we wouldn't yeah. have to kill no zebras. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Or, or grasshoppers, right. No, or grasshoppers. We don't have to eat vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> we can just breathe in and get all the vitamins and nutrients we need. But <laughs> definitely. I don't know how to explain that to somebody. And I find it, it's like now, like I always, I, tell everybody, like I'm the ghetto person in office. And uh, I say that like not on a racist standpoint, mm-hmm. but just what people think of ghetto people. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, they're, you know, you know, like they're not that intelligent. They're that. And that's kind of the vibe I give. Mm-hmm. But I'm probably the best at what I do. <laughs> you know, right, and the right, best that this, right. they have seen. And uh, it's like, I don't know how to like, open that door to let yep. those parts of me that I spent 40 years protecting Makes out. Sense. Yes. Yes. I know that I need to, because that's the only way that others will see my full potential. Yep. Yep. Oh, and they take advantage of you. Yeah. Like you'd have to, right. Like what it would be looking at, what is the fear of opening that up? Like what would the right. fear right. be? Because there's, that's exactly like, so there's various, you know, everybody has different, I've worked with people who've had, um, you know, child molestation and sexual trauma in their childhood and so forth. And how one interprets it can be various spectrums, but the, you know, there's, as you say, the protection piece, but also the piece around, you know, um, there could be things, I'm just going to bring this up as just, and wherever it lands, but just like, it could be the part if I, if I share this, it could be taken away from me. If I share my genius, that could be taken away from me. If I, um, you know, what Crystal was saying, if I, um, the fear of, what was it, Crystal, you were saying the fear of taking advantage of, of, right? And being exploited again. And, And then you'd have to take a look at the scenarios as to, you know, what were the conditions of, um, the abuse and, 
you know, was it, I don't know enough about your story, Ken. I'm sorry if it's any triggering anything at all, but the piece, you know, was it around a school setting, a teacher or so forth? Like it, how is, might it be connected to intellect and how might it be connected to, because a, a children want to fit in, they want to be belonged, they want to be loved, they want to be safe, right? So there's a piece, you have a huge gatekeeper that's helping you, which is your fear. Right. And saying like, I don't want to share this and I need to, and it's almost like we'd have to explore what would make me feel safe. Like, what do I need to feel safe so I can share a little bit of it? Right. right. So it's almost like you have to, it's like a little child. This is the inner child piece of like, as a loving parent, you know, if you see a child in the corner who's scared and afraid, then you would reach out to the child and say, Hey, can I come closer? Well, okay. Just a little bit. Right. So then, and then, so you, you want to treat that inner child piece very much like that, like always creating safety. And so even if it is like, Hey, why don't I just write out my ideas in a journal and put it away in a safe that nobody can read, but at least they're on paper. Right. I feel like someone to read it though. <laughs> Yeah, Don't right. Me. Right. <laughs> I'd be like, do be that fear. See, I'd be thinking of picking for the journal or like writing because I do love writing. I write really, really well. Once again, because that's the one time I can let my inside out. Yes. Is when I'm writing. Yes. Because I'm not speaking it. Yes. I write so well that my co-host doesn't think I write it, and she can see me wow. writing. Oh, <laughs> so you're a brilliant writer. It just like comes out so amazing. And 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 she'd be like, oh my God, I'm reading this. And I know that you wrote it, but I can't believe you wrote it. And I'm like, thanks, bitch. Oh, yeah, I know. It's like, should I take that as a compliment or not? <laughs> but yeah, but then I'm always scared that if I tell my truth in that writing, which is something I mm. did start to do the plug. I did write a book. So, um, which book is so it? I did that and it's, it's about my uh, battle with cancer. Um, it's called what? Love Beyond the Battle. Um, and you know, I, I kind of say m- part of my story is a lot to do with love. I kind of learned mm-hmm. to love cancer and it was mm-hmm. in learning to love cancer that I was able to destroy it. Amazing. Now that's all another story, right? Cause I know people be like, the chemo did that. It did, but I did it too. Okay. <laughs> you chose like, yeah. Cause it goes either way for people. Right. And somehow by you accepting right. it, it, your body accepted it. Absolutely. Right. I always yeah. tell people I'm talking about my cancer because for some reason when I bring up like yeah. cancer and just my thoughts and belief about it, I always get this hate email where someone's offended. <laughs> it's like, right. I'm just talking about right. me and my yes. cancer. I promise I'm not trying to offend what nobody, <laughs> but I can only speak my truth and, and kind of what mm-hmm. I went through. And now a lot of it, it was, was love. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and I think it was the yeah. love that helped me get over my sexual traumas and I'm not saying get over it, but it's, it's no longer what holds me, you know, now I'm, now I'm learning now that I'm past that phase, like, you know, my family members molested me and I still talk to them. So, (laughs) you know, and it's like, I can talk to them and not be angry and have Mm -hmm. no hatred. And sometimes part of me feels bad because they had to do that or they felt they had to do it. So it's like maybe a little too much compassion, but whatever. It comes from love. And I'm still learning. I'm just getting in this phase. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why I do everything your website talks about. I overgive, I overshare, I overdo, I overcompensate because Mm -hmm. I'm just learning what love is and its capabilities. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. I want to give it to everybody because everybody just deserves to have it. There shouldn't Mm -hmm. be people in this world that don't know what love is. I just don't know how to accept that. (laughs) You know, and I, well, and I think that's, thank you, Mika, for sharing so 
openly about that journey because I think there's by that is the example, right? That gives people like by you sharing what you shared about the sexual abuse and about cancer and so forth. It's like, that's, but you've come to a place of acceptance or right. acceptance, not that it was okay or anything, but just like in the present, you're new, you're not as um, affected by it because you know, you're lovable right. and you're in a place of, um, wanting to like once you choose love this is the whole if you want to go into like the idea of free will but wherever you whatever you feel like saying we can go into okay like but you know i don't want it to sound religious or like you know necessarily christian based but it's like this idea of um once we choose to be loving or we choose the loving approach um it's a different approach than our ego trying to force things control things you know truly that idea of let go let god or goddess or divine um that you're that's the example that would be the beautiful example like you don't have to do anything you don't even have to give that love to anyone but when you're sharing this is how i overcame and it was through the power of love and acceptance right then people are like wow where am i not like truly we i like the part we can't play god we can't love everyone even though i heard this from this is this was the turning point for me in some of this journey with even around codependency stuff is this is a man who has passed away now, but he um, was doing a support group for men who were released from prison and they were um, having to be integrated into society. And most of them were sex offenders. And he just, he said to me, so through his experience and he's like, yep, there's lots of drama. He said, you know what, Heather, one thing I always tell them is that God loves all of us, but our job is to become lovable. So it's not, it's also not our, as individuals, as humans, we need to be in a place of non-harm. We need to be in a place where nobody's free of judgment. Nobody's free of whatever. But if we can go, I can have compassion for this person, but it's not my job to fill their love cup. That's between them and their creator, their spirit source, whichever. They need That's to find that love within themselves. Stuck spot. Sorry? I, I love them and I feel that cup. Yes, right. Oh Yes. And that's where I'm stuck yes. at. Like, that's my current state right now. It's even to the point where sometimes um, I am like ashamed of my success or the recognition mm. that we've been getting. And, you know, mm. we, we've been doing really well. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't celebrate it. You know, it's, I feel like I, I'm, you know, I know so many people who are miserable and sad and their life is not, mm. you know, quite as okay as mine is. And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, and it's, Mika. <laughs> that goes back to the same as you not sharing. I know, like, I know, I know it does. But to me, mm-hmm. this time though, it's like I, I, I don't know. It's like I feel like people will take it as like bragging or like I'm throwing it in their face, and you know. Oh. And another part of me is like, how dare me be happy when other people are so sad? So, Mika, and if I can just, speak to that. Yeah, sorry, of course, of course, <laughs> a little bit, just a little bit. So, there's two things that can happen, especially if we're survivors on some level, is survivor's guilt. So when we finally break through a sort of block or a barrier, we can go into survivor's guilt. And then we look back at people who might be struggling the same way we did. And then we go, but why me? Like, why do I get this? And this person doesn't get this. But to acknowledge, like you made choices or you shifted something in yourself, you made a different choice. Right. And I had to, like, I, you know, I've, I've had to look at, um, and I'm sure we can find analogies of like wise teachings around this, but you can have a person who has tons of money and they're still miserable. Or you can have somebody who has um, hardly anything and they know how to find a place of 
peace and a happiness. So half of it has to do with your attitude, you know, and partly your shifts in attitude has led you to the, you said, I'm leaving, I'm getting in the car, I'm going to meet, I'm opening up to the universe and the universe is blessing me on some level. And I'm meeting the right people at the right time. And the fact that your heart is listening to it, the fact that you're following your path and you're, it's like, and then there's a side that your whole being has to catch up to is like, why me? And I, and what's beautiful about it is for your heart is you don't want to go to the ego place of going, I'm better than everyone. Like that you're checking yourself. You're going, okay, I don't want to come across like I'm, you know, I have no compassion or no empathy or so forth, Definitely. which isn't true. Anybody, even just meeting you online, I can tell you have empathy coming out of you. Like it's just the, you know, it's the, the hardest part of catching up to what seems like worldly success. Um, but it's not that you are exploiting people with it. It's not like you're, you're actually helping people. Right. right. So it's like the more successful you are, the more lives you can touch. And then, it, but it's, you could show up, wake up and just be miserable and just show up and do your job. I want to see a miserable Micah. They <laughs> <laughs> saw a miserable Micah like once. Okay. In the eighth, look, in, the, in all the I years. I thought my world was coming. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the years that I've known them, like, I had one bad day. And, and it's all like, should I quit? Should I, like, what should I do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what was crazy that most I'm not gonna say most of my da bad days I really don't have a lot of bad days but my bad days are never caused by me right right or right. is it because you let yourself get that mad oh, I do because sometimes <laughs> things is just so I don't know not love so, some things That's are not lovable totally Totally. It, it, it totally. upsets me. It's like, yo, can yep. we just love each other and love what we do and just love life and love existence and just love each know. other. I just and want a hurts. peaceful world. Oh my gosh. But that's, you know, honestly, my kid, that's the, like, I think this is the hard part about, I call them the highly sensitive people. Right. And like the more you grow spiritually and the more that you grow in that kind of awareness of like, can we just treat each other with love and kindness and not pe not war and conflict and all these things. Right. And it's harder. The more that you open up and the more that you heal and the more that you realize what's functional and what's not, the harder it is to kind of deal with the world, you know? And at the same time, the fact that you woke up to this means that there's, you know, there's not just you, but like anybody waking up to this, it's like, that's where the hope lives, right? That's why I love doing the Heartfield Leader stuff because I'm like, we can't. I, I used to act, do tons of activism and protesting and all this stuff, and I'm like, but it has to be like I still do my signing petitions and I'm still engaged in my own ways, but it, I'm I don't have hope for peace on earth right. in my lifetime, right? Because I know that it's so complicated with people's traumas, inequalities poverty issues, what, like so much is needs to be healed or addressed, but I have hope in the people who are like, I just want to be a better person today, next week, next month. And the hard part is protecting your heart from a world that people are in survival mode, you know, and if there's anything to just go into compassion, it's just to go, people are in survival mode, whether it's how it's manifested is just absolutely evil. Or if it's just like, wow, this person is doing something out of their protection place right. that, you know, as, as trauma survivors, I think that's where the greatest, um, we can actually be the greatest movements of compassion 
because we can say, I went through this. I have compassion even for the perpetrator. I even have compassion for, right? And so we're actually, that's where your, that's where each of our missions can come in is to go, wow, you know what? This is what I've survived. I have compassion for what this person went through. I have compassion for what the victims went through. I can have compassion for the healing process. And then that's where the heart comes in, you know, because it's real compassion. It's not fake um, sympathy. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. So now your work combines like a little bit of everything, right? Because I know you're somewhat like the constellations. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like you kind of tie in everything together. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Is, is it? Hmm, my question is crazy. Um, but what number one, you, you say family. You work with individuals by themselves too, or does it have to be? Well, family? just actually, I only work with individuals. So I'll work with their family system as far as through like their story experiences, but we also set up like some of these pieces. I used to do groups, but COVID happened. I just want to be at home in my front of my computer and work with people. And I actually prefer one-on-one because then it, we can actually get into honest truths. Um, so, and then, but we, I look at their ancestors and my knowledge as a family constellations facility facilitator to look at patterns they may not have addressed or looked at. And, and then I do deep coaching questions, you know, just like, so what was this like for you? What is your hope in this? What do you, you know, what are you believing because of this? And they'll have their personal, what I call the sweet ahas. They'll have these breakthroughs that it's almost like in traditional therapy, you're just dealing with the person and you're just dealing with their truth. And they're not dealing with the collective, um, looking at all the pieces, the relationships their you know, maybe their lens might be shifted. You know, it needs to be shifted to go, what about what happened over here? Right. And, and I like working. I also do Oracle cards cause I have a little bit of a witch in me that will pull Oracle right. cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read that too. We had a little bit of wit in you. I think that's too, right? Yeah. You, you ever heard when they tell people, "Look, uh, this is me in the corny stuff with superstitions." But when they uh, mm-hmm. someone told me once that if you ever lit a candle and it sparked blue, it meant you you was a witch. And like every oh, candle cool. I light sparks blue, <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to be a witch. <laughs> but uh, you know, like, can I win me some lottery numbers then? But no, sorry. <laughs> well there's a whole like background um this would happen in wizards you know that wizards didn't have kids hmm. so the ones who like the the ones who didn't have kids and this is this isn't because of even they had to but it's again they had more it meant that they had more life force and psychic energy to focus on other things Right. right. So, and I'm not saying this to say having kids is bad and you can't be spiritual because you have oh, kids. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you have how well, many kids? I really don't have 18. Okay. I'm like, Crystal, oh my God. There's a thing called Crystal. Really she, she has five. I do have five. And a grandbaby. I have a grandbaby and a grandbaby on the way. Oh, and I think her, I would. I think, I think her daughter's going to be a serial killer. I'm just going to go ahead and put <laughs> now. Okay. Hey, Aaron. <laughs> She's no, I'm gonna tell you about this, Heather. I'm gonna tell you about this. Right, we go to we go to a pool party, <laughs> and it's it's a lot of grown people. It wasn't a lot of kids. It had to be her and like two other kids. There, yeah, there know? was two other kids. Right, so her two other kids. One of them is like my little cousin, and so Oliver is like really small. He's seven years old, a genius, but he's just very very tiny. Yes, mm-hmm. and then it was another little boy, and it was her daughter. I ain't gonna mention no names. So I just call her my baby. I just call her my baby. <laughs> but so 
everybody's doing their thing and they're in the pool. And I hear, hear her tell the boys, you guys pretend like you're drowning and I'm going to save you. <laughs> She's a savior. <laughs> And you know, and you know what they did? Okay, they <laughs> pretended down. Like, she said, "Are we not gonna think about this? Are we not gonna like have a moment to say like, what if she doesn't save me?" Like, they're just like, "Okay." Oh. <laughs> so she's the next sociopathic leader. She's like the next yes. leader. Yeah. Oh my that's god, good. that's good. She that's is. good. That is what she is. <laughs> That's what she gave birth she to. She taught him how to swim. She did teach him how to swim. And I and and of course I'm joking. I love her. That's of course. That's my granddaughter because where I don't have kids. Yes. Um I my child. I have to father her all the time. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. makes her kids my grandkids. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And they know it. They know totally. they're my grandbaby. Then I had to get why <laughs> you got them doing that. You can yeah. adopt them. You're totally adopted them. Yeah. I have look, I have so many uh adoptive kids that I didn't adopt. Like, I don't got no papers for them. The I can't file all my taxes, but they still in my wallet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Well, my kids so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I did one of those things where, like, you do the... Um, sorry, it's getting darker. I'm trying to... One of those things where the... Um, it's like an AI thing where you see what your kid would look like if you had babies with somebody. So I did it with my partner and we looked at the boy, like the boy came up and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Normal looking kid. But, and, uh, and then the girl came up and I'm like, my God, she looks like a sociopath. I said, Thank God I didn't have a girl. I, said, it's like, I wonder talking about the ancestral lineage, right? I'm like, wow, we didn't look at the female sociopaths in our family. We knew about the men. <laughs> and i'm over here laughing at myself because it was like i I know i know what you do and but when you kept saying family i kept taking family literal so i'm like why is she only saying she worked with families (laughs) (laughs) family ancestors family dynamics (laughs) why does she keep saying families you work with everybody don't don't lose your business girl don't lose your money (laughs) no no I work with around I'm family dynamics. Yeah. Look, I'm glad I clarified because you know there was somebody watching that was yes. thinking like me. Like, exactly. Call her, but she works with family. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's so funny, Mika, because I can relate with the part of feeling like, you know, don't do anything like doing too bad or too good. And what is the family system? Was there somebody back there that did things that were too bad or too good? You know, like what was happened back there? And, you know, I describe that I come from a family of famous and infamous, and I constantly meet people on my path. Like, I'm literally two, two or three degrees of separation from just through my husband and his work and all this stuff is that, um, you know, to Rolling Stones, to Prince, to like, I'm, I'm literally, I'm always close to fame or famous people, <laughs> but I'm never quite there. Or I'm close to people who've done really bad shit. <laughs> and then, like, and I'm like, these are my ancestors, and, like famous and infamous. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to sit and eat my Cheerios. <laughs> That's I, I did that uh, where I looked up like my birthday for everything that happened on my date of birth. And like, I was like, damn. Maybe I am the Antichrist. <laughs> what you do is Google it. What, can I ask what an astrological sign you are? I am a Capricorn. Oh, you're meant to have money in your life. You're meant to have actually worldly success then. See, this is the trick though. I don't know if it's a trick though, because before I believe you, <laughs> I need a 
because I was born the 19th, January 19th at like 11.33 p.m. So I was really, really close to being an Aquarius, right? But I'm still going to get the money because I'm a Capricorn. Yes. So I love cusps. No wonder we get along here because I'm a cusp baby too. So from my understanding, I'm not like trained astrology. What's cusp? (laughs) And what are you, Crystal? What's your... A Taurus. Okay. All right. A perfect combination, the two of you. To do this makes perfect sense why you guys are doing this together. So <laughs> Taurus is about earthly comforts and material comforts, and they like but they like doing things in a very like you're not just head in the clouds. You're like, let's do it. If we're gonna have a dream, we're gonna do make it happen and do it. And it needs to manifest. So Taurus are really good at manifesting. And then Capricorn, and then if you have Aquarius there. What a beautiful, so no wonder you're worried about like, you don't want to be an asshole. You don't want to be like this guy with success who's telling everyone, because you know, you're destined to make more money and you know, you're destined to have success on some level to actually do well. And you're good at it. It's almost like, it's just, you actually shine in it. You actually do well with succeeding in, on a very, um, worldly level, but the shadow side of that can be be being a jerk, right. And, And actually making people feel less than. But what's it's it's so beautiful because Aquarius is all about the humanity, being humane, and the dream, the collective dream. So the more that you're tied in with, which, which is what you're doing now, it's like I want to succeed in a way that serves humanity. Then you will absolutely succeed, right? And if you're doing it from that place of service, um, you can't help but earn a good living. And you almost need to follow, like you're not, it's not necessarily about, um, like for some of us, like I'm, I volunteer and all of this stuff. I'm Aries Pisces, but the, um, you can, you can, you're more about giving charity or philanthropy, like use, give your money away to help others. So here you can send us lots of money, but, <laughs> but, then, but it's like, you're still supposed your to information, girl. <laughs> like, like you would do well for setting up a foundation or you'd be do what, doing well for, right. but you would be very much like, and then working with Taurus in your life, like, like Crystal can help you like, okay, let's make it happen. What's going on here. Let's get the pillows together. Let's get the flowers set. Let's get like, everything's literally just, um, making it happen in a very sensual way that is that's why she's our producer <laughs> right see it's all perfect oh you're totally aligned the two of you are in your path <laughs> you, look, you don't got you a new client i'm about to set up a reading <laughs> but just remember i come with a lot don't be trying to increase my rate later when you realize that i'm like <laughs> i'll tell you to donate to the causes <laughs> sorry <laughs> Sorry, I said it, you'll say, this is not what I was signed up for. <laughs> Way too much. <laughs> and, and I'm speaking as a person whose therapist quit on them. Oh. So I know I can make it happen. So, <laughs> honestly, what happened between us and, and all, I say that all the time, but what happened between yeah. us is we kind of became like friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's so hard. Yes. Yeah. And then. Yes. Thank you, thank you. But then, and she just thought she just wanted to be a professional, and she felt like that makes you know, sense. like hey, we can still talk, but I can't, you Charge know, you. be mm-hmm. of service to you anymore because I'm here telling you about my problems. Um, Completely. So, and then yeah. she, um, she is she's Asian, and it was around that time where the Asian hate was getting really, really oh, bad. God. Mm. Asians. So yeah. it became like I legit was a therapist because she was like scared yeah. to leave the house, oh. you know, because she still had like a heavy accent. 
mm-hmm. you know, like you knew mm-hmm. she was Asian. So right. because of that, you know, she oh. had so much fears and it was a lot of me consoling her. Oh my gosh, <laughs> like, that's so hard. Girl, get her back and go. Totally. You know, <laughs> just walk around with this bat and go walking dead on their ass. Yes, thank goodness you were in her life too, you know, like at that time, because just like seriously. Yeah, it was, yeah, the allies cool. it was after that and when things started to get back to normal that she realized, like, I think I owe you a refund. <laughs> <laughs> so she didn't necessarily quit on you. It was just a healthy boundary, which was actually was. probably really healing. Was. She's yeah. amazing. And I, yeah. I always recommend her to so many people. I'm like, she was, uh, you know, yeah. she got me to start talking. It's just now I won't shut up. That's the key. That's the key. <laughs> well, if I would even go back to um, to the part where you're talking about the fear of writing, right? And the fear of opening up your intelligence in this. And that's why, so the fact you are comfortable with journaling at times and all of that, that's an amazing, so I would say take that, if I were to give any advice around that, it would be take that and then just take a little bit of a risk, right? Like always consulting your inner child. Can I talk a little bit more? Can I share? But particularly around your intelligence, particularly around so it might even be less about the feelings as it is what is your idea what ideas do you have and then just letting that letting yourself make a list of ideas and if you're afraid of them being stolen exploited taken away like finding a safe safe spot you know it could be like complete it could be with a locked like a locker or a you know it has a good lock on it and then you can go into it once a day or once a week and go through okay what ideas do I want to keep which ones do I want to destroy um but it's the fact that you're listening to your inner genius and your inner self and and that one book you probably read it or heard of it it's um oh god it's about the oh the drama of the gifted child Trauma of the gifted child. I have not. Okay. But I am now. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good one. It's for the kid who's gone through, sensitive kid who's gone through a lot of trauma. <laughs> okay, so I want to know who stole my story. <laughs> <laughs> See? You just shared your yeah. idea to the universe, so there it is. <laughs> and they uh, took my whole story. You know what? Speaking of that, though, I'm going to talk about this, especially since it's not on the air no more, right? Originally, my first original thought for a podcast was I wanted to do what Jada Pickett did, the Red Table Talk. Oh, okay. I don't know I that one. I wanted to have a red table, and it was just because red was my favorite color. Uh... And sometimes but like such a bad feeling with red, you know, like mm-hmm. you think about red, you think of a stop sign going too far. You think of anger right. and I'm like, red could be beautiful. And let's, so let's sit around this red table and just have like beautiful conversations. Yeah. And then this heifer came up with red table talks. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, is a good thing. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, but you know what, then it might be, it's a combination of your psychic abilities like you're tuning into something that's happening or coming in and, and you know or what consciousness. the fear. I just want to add this on just in case you want to comment on it too. I mm-hmm. also like, I also often feel like people wouldn't be, aren't ready for what I have to say. Like yes. it wouldn't be received well. Yes. Like yes. I'm going to be called corny. They're going to call me crazy. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, every smart person is crazy. I mean, look at Kanye. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well Mm -hmm. and you know and i I, it sounds like even because i as a journey of a writer when i worked with uh writers like writers organizations and so forth it is such a common especially when you're beginning 
to really start expressing your truths and opinions and all of this. It's a, such a common fear and anxiety. So it may help to either find like a writing course or um, a book about writing, but it's like this whole piece that is like one of the biggest barriers that people have to writing is like, is somebody going to steal it? Is it going to be ostracized? Am I going to be criticized? Am I going to be judged? Am I going to be shamed, attacked? All of these things is the world ready for it. But they always say in writing philosophy, it's like, just sit down and write it. And if you throw it away after you write it, your choice, if you decide to do nothing with it, it's totally your choice. But the right. fact that, but then all of a sudden when you start writing it and you realize that, oh, I'm getting comfortable with this, it's building my voice, it's building my truth, you don't want to get rid of it. And then it just gives you the fuel. And just if you can write without feeling like you have to share it with the world. And I'll cycle that back to being childhood sexual abuse survivors will tend to feel like they have to share everything that's private right. to everyone that if you can actually go, I'm just going to write for myself and I'm going to write for my, um, my own voice to come forward and I don't have to share it with a soul, right? And keep it in your own private place. And then if you decide and you're comfortable to share it with a friend, right? And then share it with a couple friends and then see what, see how you feel and then share it with an editor, you know? And so then it becomes, but it's people you trust. It's so important that you're sharing your, your soul work or your sacred work with those you trust first to develop the confidence and the courage and the ability to actually get it out to the world. So now, Heather, you know, I, I'm your problem child, right? <laughs> it's going to turn you the just adopted, You just adopted me. Okay. <laughs> and I'm, your problem child. I'm just sitting here like, wow, that's why I'm so brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Crystal is brilliant before a second. You know what I'm saying? Like, she'll come up with, like, in the beginning of this episode, her question. I didn't even put together the fact about the kids in the children's book. And she was like, hold up. Why? How you ain't got no kids? And you're writing, you know? And I'm like, damn, that was okay. That was a brilliant moment. All right. And then she goes and she follows it up with, I'm smart. Um, <laughs> Like, 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 you totally claim it, right? <laughs> well, she's right. a doctor. She tells everybody at work. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Okay. That's but, so cool. So, yeah. My issue with is I have issue with learning. So, mm -hmm. like, I'm like very, very dyslexic. So I can't learn from reading mm -hmm. or from like people teaching me. I have to learn yes. from doing it. Yes. It's so crazy. And it's like, I legit have to do it and mm -hmm. figure it out on my own or mm -hmm. I won't obtain how to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. You're a hands-on practical learner, right? Yeah. Like almost like kinesthetic. And yeah, I'm, I'm very similar. Like I can learn from other sources, but I have a similar, I have a similar until I can actually put it down and I have to work right. it out myself in order to actually get it right. And to actually work and it. Also like all my decisions, no matter what it is, is always emotion based. I don't know why I do that. I kind of been that way in a long time, but it's always, you know, I do things even like fruit roll-ups. It's always like how I'm going to feel when I eat this fruit roll-up. Now the answer is usually good as a bitch. But, um, <laughs> so I eat the fruit roll-up. But it, it's always about the emotion behind it. You're like, I should call mm -hmm. Crystal. Well, how am I feel talking to Crystal? I think I feel all right, so I'm going to call her. I don't yeah. know why I do that, but that's mm -hmm. kind of like... And, mm -hmm. Oh, there's... 
So, I mean, it, it, this is that whole journey of self-discovery, right? And that everybody has, so whether you call Myers-Briggs tests or whether you do go into the spiritual realm of self-discovery, but you're most likely, um, like this is the highly sensitive person or empath, right? So the empath usually makes emotional decisions. They're trusting their intuition. They call it the clairsentient, right? So there's different, there's clairvoyance, there's clairsentience, there's claircognizance. So some people just know what they know. Like they're like, I just know it. I know that there was a tragedy down the road. Like they just know it. Whereas some people they're like, I feel like something's really off and their emotions are telling them, you know, check this out, check this out. Um, so you're more likely clair, clairsentient because you're feeling based. And it comes from being a highly sensitive person and more of an empath. And especially if you're, um, you can also be, what is the one where it's, it's like almost like connected to your body. It's like your body tells you it's body intuition. Um, so the fact that you're needing to like write things out or, or work, work it out physically, kinesthetically. Um, so you probably have those two styles of intuition coming in. And it's like, this is that piece of really, truly, like if we all just accept, like everybody has different nervous systems, everybody has different brain wiring, everybody has different genetics, everybody has different journeys, that if we look at it as a strength rather than a weakness and actually go, wait a minute, how do I work with this? Because it's actually part of my divine right. gift, right? Um, this actually is my, this is what, um, you can trust it, right? And what I love about that piece with your healing piece is that the journey of anyone who's had child trauma is about learning how to trust themselves. Like that's the ultimate journey is coming back to trusting yourselves on all levels with how your body feels, how your heart feels, how you're thinking your own intelligence. Cause it was so much was taken, right. That is, that's truly coming back to yourself. That's truly like listening to your inner truth. And right. especially as a child survivor. Mm -hmm. So Do you cool. think that you can trust other people if you don't trust yourself? No. No, and I think you no. probably even know the answer to that even by that question, right? So I think that piece, it's like, um, especially if you've had major breaks of trust, like if major breaks of trust and you had major deception or you had major betrayals and even to the point where your family's still gaslighting you, for example, it's a journey of learning how to go. I'm not going to trust this person. I have to trust myself enough to not trust this person. Even if this person isn't bad, they just might be gassed. Like they just don't want the truth to come out. Right. right. Or they don't want. Um, so it's almost like the, the piece around some of a big part of our world is learning how to, can I trust this source? You know, can I, I can listen to it, but I have to digest it or I have to take into account what might be their agenda? What is my agenda? Um, but the journey of, especially if you're a trauma survivor, trust has been broken. <clears throat> so if you don't have that fundamental capacity to trust your own knowing, and there's a place of doubting your own, whether it's intuition or your own experiences, then you, you're at risk of trusting people that remind you of your perpetrators from the past or people who like putting people on pedestals or, you know, you're at risk of that because you, you have yet to go, wait a second, can I listen to myself? You need to listen to that. Cause she got this man that she would not get rid of. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, that's up to you, Crystal, how much you want to share about that. <laughs> I always say he's, well, so my dad, he passed away and I always say 
he reminds me of my father, mm. like in every source. But it's so complicated. My father was an evil man. Sorry, mm-hmm. mom, if you're watching this, brothers, sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But mind your at the same time, he's the one that held our family together. Mm-hmm. And when he passed, we all separated. Right, right. But every time, like, he does something, I'm always like, you are my father. Wow. But it's so weird because mm-hmm. if I could change fathers, I would. Mm-hmm. Right. So she mm-hmm. needs to change men. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and tell her. Tell her. Mm-hmm. So it's so, I'm going to say it's, it's like the force of the family of origin force is so big. Like the ancestral force, like it's, it's bigger than our, even our personal will sometimes. So we're attracted mm-hmm. like a magnet to even the very people that we know aren't good for us. And so there's a piece here that might have to do with a little bit of your own grief work. Like, so it's okay to grieve your father who died, even if you didn't like him. I, I had a difficult relationship with my father, so I get it. But it's a grief of the father you didn't get, the, the grief of the father who did go away, the grief of the family that got separated because he seemed to be the glue. And almost like attracting another person who's like your father is a way of creating um, a sense of stability or a sense of a placeholder that gives a false sense of family. So it's almost mm-hmm. like going back into what what it would be the instead of a partner. So it almost creates, I don't know the dynamics and if there's a power dynamic here, but it's like you're really looking for it when you're dating somebody. Ideally, it's about the equal partner, right? It's equal and it's mm-hmm. supportive, equally supportive. And there's communication and all of this. And there's a feeling of safety. Um, but what, if there's ever a power dynamic, if you feel like, uh, that would be saying you're so much like my father having to really look at in what ways and is this good for me? And does it give me a false sense of my father still around or is the stability here or the placeholder here? And perhaps even looking at there's a, um, you know, and looking at some of the grief of losing your other family members as a family unit. But what I, what's interesting about death, especially with somebody who has been a difficult death. Um, and if people separate, there's actually a beautiful healing capacity for people to some, some like finding one family member that you might be able to have an inroad with to really get honest and start talking about what did you think about dad? Like start actually keeping him in the family through those conversations. And even if those, mm-hmm. some people are like, he was great. And you'd be like, wow, that's interesting that you thought that, you know, I didn't, but you're opening doors to still keep your father's energy around, but there's more honesty and healing possible. And then you don't need to have placeholders like what you're mentioning with this person that you're seeing having to come in to represent your father. So it's like, you're, it's not as necessary. So again, mm-hmm. I say this with not knowing the entire story. Those are the <laughs> Mm-mm. You could have left that part out. Listen to what she's saying. Remember, <laughs> she said it's what's best for you. You know what I'm saying? It is about you. It is about Crystal. But um, Heather, of course, we kind of ran over our hour, right? And I feel like <laughs> we'll both call you, um, and, and we about to do some coaching with you. But I know this conversation probably went a little bit of everywhere. Is there anything that you want to say to our audience that we did not give you a chance to say? 
I would just ultimately remember to take care of yourself, like ultimately love and accept yourself 100%, you know, and if you need help with navigating relationship dynamics with your family of origin, yourself, who you want to be, like it comes back to love. It comes back to self-love. It comes back to your heart. And, you know, I, I would love to provide that kind of um, safe space. I literally aim for confidentiality all the time. It's like, you can tell me anything and I'm not shocked, literally. Um, because, you know, I'm very aware of the tragedies in the world and I'm very aware of the challenges. And so long as they're what you're wanting to do the inner work and you're wanting to grow in, in becoming a, a healthier, boundaried, self-loving person um, and delve in and, and access that inner voice, I'm, I would love to help. That's the biggest part. Now I'm 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 gonna call you and we're gonna have okay. a couple of conversations and then hey. I'm gonna bring you back on to see if you still feel that same way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I will. <laughs> She's gonna be like, okay, hold up. Some of these stories, I don't need to know. <laughs> Deal. I'll probably be like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully that's how you do. And um honestly, you kind of like changed just us in this conversation. Mm. So if you can do that in this uh, hour that we went Aww. over, I can imagine what you do um, for other people. So Aww. we thank you for what you're doing you. and sharing your love. Um, and it was kind of cool because I didn't even need to ask you about love because you talked about it. Right, <laughs> right. So, right <laughs> along with our season uh, three model, we just talk about the love space, um, you know, season 2.5 mm -hmm. you talked about it we were very big on a safe space finding a safe space <gasps> healing right i know you did both <laughs> yes healing yes. is amazing i'm going through it now and it is like i finally know what peace is and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that has been the most incredible feeling for me i Ugh. don't say i go through it all the time but i do know like i'm at peace and it's dope mm -hmm. and i feel like everybody should have that oh, but you won't have so it beautiful. unless you deal with your mental health and your traumas and your inner selves mm -hmm. and how they can help you with that so mm -hmm. make sure you give her a call mm -hmm. i'm gonna give her a call seriously <laughs> and um and i think crystal over here too i think crystal need to have some conversations with Heather. <laughs> my dad my but, dad um, is a bit of a psychopath so <laughs> i'm very familiar <laughs> with psychopath energy <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> my dad uh, he actually passed away a couple of years ago from COVID, but I'm giving him a shout out. Okay. He probably was a psychopath, but mm. we didn't know it. Mm. But he had psychopath potential. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. No, totally. Right. I think we all. I think we all do. We all do, but, and that's probably yeah. We all do. It's just if you cross right. the line. <laughs> there you go. And I'm always, I'm always walking the line. <laughs> and I want to get to the point where I'm just more over there. Okay. <laughs> exactly. It's all the but, choices, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Definitely. We thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for telling Crystal that she needs to leave her man. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just short words. <laughs> <laughs> just that little time. That's basically what you about. Somebody else. Um, I heard it. I think the audience heard it too. As a matter of fact, she everybody who was out there in a bad relationship, remember, it is about you. Yes. And that was kind of a dope thing that you said to Crystal that I stand out. And even though we're joking, mm -hmm. and I'm not joking, but I am, <laughs> it still starts with you. It does. <laughs> it totally it does. does. Yeah. Yes. Thanks so much, Heather. 
Thank we you. I love Thank having you both. on. I'm definitely going to get you back on and you will Yay. hear from us. All your contact information throughout this episode and in our website and all those kind of things. We'll share those links with you. Fabulous. Thank you guys My for pleasure. watching. And we will see you next week. Thank I know, you. big heart. <laughs> Bye.